This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Kei te whakaronga mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori. He hōtaka e pāna ki a papa tuanuku, tangaroa, me ranginui. You're with our changing world on Radio New Zealand National, and now, ultra-fast lasers. 2015 is International Year of Light and Light-Based Technologies. The Royal Society of New Zealand's 10 by 10 lecture series this year is called Luminaries, and it's looking at the importance of light in New Zealand culture, research and business. One of the next speakers is physicist Miro Erkintalo from the University of Auckland, and Alison catches up with him about his work with lasers. Laser is an acronym originally. It's Light Amplification by Stimulated Emission of Radiation. So essentially, laser is a device that is capable of producing laser light, and laser light is a very unique form of light, which is essentially coherent spatially and temporally, and it's basically much brighter than ordinary light would be. So I'm thinking of something like a laser pointer, for example? Laser pointer is an excellent example of a laser. Lasers really are everywhere these days, and they really play a key role in our everyday lives. If you imagine, for example, going shopping, um, and the store clerk um, uses a barcode scanner, that's a laser there as well. Or if you listen to a CD, uh, there's a laser there reading those tiny bumps in your CD, or if you watch a Blu-ray... Uh, movie, then there's a blue laser, essentially. So do we know everything about lasers? The f- basic physics is pretty well known. But of course, there's always a, a big industrial and scientific push to develop new kinds of lasers. And I think that's really um, a key part of my research, for example, is to explore and develop new kinds of lasers, because it's quite often that it's only when a new laser is invented or a new laser is developed that is easy to manufacture commercially that that's when new applications emerge as well. And a Blu-ray is a good example, that it really needed a cheap blue laser, and that's sort of that, that made it possible. So although the basic physics may be, may, might be known, you know, there's continuously a drive to create new kinds of laser sources. So what kind of new lasers are you working on? I really work on ultra-fast lasers. And it's a bit of a misnomer, to be honest, because the speed of light is fixed, right? Light cannot be ultra-fast in the sense that it would go faster than the speed of light. That's not quite the case. But what these ultra-fast lasers are, they are basically devices that emit ultra-short pulses, and they they emit a huge number of them each second. So maybe a better term would be an ultra-short pulsed laser. Yeah, and these are basically devices that are capable of uh, creating flashes of light, bursts of light that are really, really short in time. Basically, a single one of these uh, ultra-short pulses can last only a hundredth of a femtosecond. So we, we measure their duration in femtoseconds. And a femtosecond, you can imagine a one femtosecond would be 0.14 zeros one and second. So one femtosecond to one second is the same as one second is to 32 million years. So these pulses are so short that basically there is nothing in the nature even that exists uh, that creates light at such short timescales. 
So you theoretically know these are possible? Oh yeah, we know that it's possible and we are very more than capable of doing them ourselves. This is a technology that was already developed in the probably in the 70s. The first ultra-short pulse lasers were developed and we have very good experience now on how to create these kind of ultra-short pulses. And some researchers are really doing this now is that we're trying to make better devices that are maybe more stable, more robust, that can be maybe used in, in industrial environments, for example, when there's a lot of noise and fluctuations and so on. And that's really one of the key aims in, in our research as well, as that we try to create these ultra-short pulsed lasers that can then be used in environments where there's a lot of noise and temperature and um, mechanical vibrations and so on. Because these lasers have many applications, for example, in, um, in micro-machining. If you want to drill very, very, very tiny microscopic holes, it's actually good to do this with a laser. Lasers are really good at drilling very small holes. But it turns out that actually ultra-short lasers are the best kind of lasers to do this kind of work. But a key thing here is really that if you want to use these kind of devices in a noisy environment, usually you do machining in a noisy environment, so you want lasers that are really robust and, and that don't change when the temperature or the, when there's vibrations and so on. And that's really one key aspect of my research. Here is a, just an example. Of oh, one. so you've got a box on the desk that's yep. just the size of a computer but a bit fatter. It's a fiber laser, so it's an ultra-short pulsed fiber laser. Um, this guy can create pulses whose duration is about 140 femtoseconds. Uh, the technology was basically developed by us here at the University of Auckland, and um, we have commercialized this item through our collaborators at the Auckland-based company Southern Photonics. And this is a really exciting technology, at least in my opinion. I think it's actually a very good opportunity for New Zealand to really pursue this kind of research, because if you take this uh, in your hand... I'll just rearrange my microphones. If you weigh a little bit, it's not, it's not very heavy, right? No. It's quite light. You could uh, carry that around. You could carry that around. It's a pretty expensive device, to be honest, so you don't want to drop it. But it turns out, actually, that it's so expensive that price per mass of this guy is pretty much comparable to gold. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so if you, if you think of a remote nation like New Zealand, where, where shipping and transportation costs are always quite important, this here is actually quite a good industry. What would you use that for? This is really we're in, intended for micro-machining purposes. But it's not just that. Really, these guys have many other kind of applications. For example, because the, these pulses have really short durations, uh, it means that they also have, because you are packing a certain amount of energy in a really small duration, it means that they have very high peaks. So they have very high peak powers. And that actually allows you to leverage some effects that are known as nonlinear optical effects to do some things better than, than you, what you could do with ordinary laser sources. For example, you can do microscopy uh, using these nonlinear effects, and you can do this microscopy in a way that basically has a higher resolution than ordinary microscopes. And that's actually quite widely used. These techniques are widely used in biomedical imaging, for example, because you just get deeper penetration into tissue, for example, and you can see things uh, more accurately. But then there's also a whole heap of uh, other kinds of applications in, in basic research, because really these, these, these femtosecond pulses are really the shortest things that, that we can create, uh, the shortest events created by man. And, and really, if you want to explore this phenomena in nature that occur over similar timescales, then you have to use correspondingly small uh, events. So basically, these ultrafast lasers really are interesting for basic research because they really allow us to explore nature at a, at a level that is quite unprecedented with other means. For example, if you have um, chemical reactions, in, uh, in chemical reactions, some steps occur over time scales of the order of a femtosecond. So you can actually look at these steps in chemical reactions, not quite maybe in real time, but you can really look at the dynamics of these, these chemical reactions using these ultra-fast fiber lasers. And that's actually an application that was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1999. 
Yeah, and that's just one example. One really important thing that we've been really interested recently is the use of these ultra-fast lasers to do very precise measurements of physical quantities. And, and in particular, these, these ultra-fast lasers have enabled a technology that is known as an optical frequency comb. And that's a really interesting technology. It basically is a technology whereupon you have a light source whose spectrum consists of an equidistantly spaced spectral components. So, for example, if you imagine a normal laser, a laser pointer, for example, you point it at something and you see that it has a single color, right, a red color, for example. Well, ultrafast lasers can be a little bit different, and in particular, it turns out that the color contents of an ultrafast laser, it's actually not a single color, but it can actually consist of a very many different colors or wavelengths of electromagnetic radiation that are equidistantly spaced. And you can actually use this fact to measure unknown optical frequencies, just like you would use a ruler to measure distances. You can basically use this frequency comb to measure uh, the distance of an unknown optical frequency from the closest one of these so-called comb lines. And it turns out that, that this actually allows you to do measurements more precisely than any other technique in existence. And if you can do precise measurements, then it means that, that you can actually probe nature at a much finer level than you could, could otherwise, and also realize some really interesting applications. For example, you can use these frequency combs to create all optical or optical atomic clocks. So these are clocks, basically, that are so precise that they won't gain or lose a second in, in billions of years. I think I just read an example yesterday that they had developed a new kind of optical atomic clocks based on these ultra-fast lasers, and they said that the clock is so accurate that if you would have started it at the time of the Big Bang, 13 billion years ago, then coming today, the clock would still be on time up to within tenths of a second. It's extraordinary precision. It's extraordinary precision, absolutely. And, it's a, and this technology, actually, development of this frequency comb technology was awarded the Nobel Prize in 2005. It was a really, really a big thing, and, and it still is a really big area of research. But recently, there's been a sort of a new paradigm in this um, frequency comb uh, research. So typically, all these frequency comb sources have been based on ultra-fast lasers. But there's actually been a very, very fascinating recent development in 2007. And that involved the use of so-called micro-resonators. So these are basically microscopic glass circles. Like here, so you, you picked up something that looks almost like a tiny spark plug. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you can see that there's still small threads here. Yep. Each of these threads is actually a cylinder, a very tiny cylinder, and you can trap light. You can confine light to go around one of these threads here, and you can confine light and it will stay there basically indefinitely, going around and round and round. And because the thing here is so tiny, you can pack a lot of laser light there. You can pack a huge amount of laser light there, and because it's so tiny, that leads to very strong interactions with the glass here. So the laser interacts really strongly with the glass, and actually, in this way, you can put in a single laser light of a single color, and you can actually create all the colors of the rainbow at once. Put in laser light at single color, and then you get an optical frequency comb comes out. So that's a very interesting technology because you can imagine putting these things in, a, in, in very small devices, um, and these are very power efficient. And yeah, they, they, you can create these frequency combs that have very unique characteristics. And this is definitely a, really a key research area for us currently. Now, you're an experimental physicist. You work in the lab? 
I don't much work in the lab anymore. I guess I'm slowly drifted towards doing a little bit more theory and in particular supervising people who do experiments. So have you got any students doing anything in the lab at the moment? I think I do have. Miss Karen Webb might be there just now uh, twitting a little bit with the uh, micro-resonator experiments. Can we go and see if she's in the lab? Absolutely, yeah. So I've come down to the lab and Karen's working away in the background. First of all, she's fabricated one of these micro, uh, microscopic resonators to which we can confine live and uh, thereby create uh, frequency combs. And what she's doing now is that she's scanning the laser frequency close enough to a, to a sort of a suitable wavelength, changing the, um, basically the color of laser light she's putting into these devices to be suitable for this frequency comb generation to occur. You are basically putting this laser light in using a very microscopically small optical fiber and you have to align that optical fiber very carefully with respect to your glass uh, loop for these things to happen and that's, that's what she's trying to do now. So is this the same kind of fiber optics that they're busily digging around New Zealand as part it's of the ultra-fast broadband rollout? Yep, it's the same kind of optical fiber essentially. So some of the research we do involve very special kind of fibers that we only use for research purposes, but for some of our projects we really use the same single-mode fiber that, that, that is basically being digged under your, under your lawn. Hmm. Yep. You know, communication is really the biggest thing for optical fibers. But, but many people think that fiber optics ends there, but it really doesn't. I mean, fibers are really amazing. They, they allow us to do many, many things um, in addition to communication. For example, these ultra-fast lasers we build, they really rely on the fact that we have these beautiful optical fibers that we can use. And the same thing here, the research we can do in, in, in create these frequency cones, for example, it also relies really critically on optical fibers. Um, and optical fibers really allow us to uh, take light from one place and put it in another place, and um, that's just so useful in research as well. And that was Miro Erkintalo, a 2015 Rutherford Discovery Fellow from the University of Auckland. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can find more stories on our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.